Welcome to AI Nerd, AI with Attitude. Today, I'm going to give attitude to James Duez, the CEO of Rainbird.ai, a very cool intelligent automation platform. James is uh, based in the UK today. James, how are you doing today? Pretty good. What's not to be good? It's, it's Friday. It's been a busy week. Looking forward to the weekend. Uh, 10 months in a row at home. So, uh, yeah, just in lockdown heaven here. So, it's all good. Yeah, I mean... I, I was going to mention, it looks like you've lost your tan. Um, I, <laughs> it's January. It's two degrees. It's cloudy. Well, two degrees in my money. I, don't know I mean, two degrees in, in our world. Um, I, I think you guys uh, speak a different language than English. So I think that's that's like 90 in ours. I, I don't know. I can't do math. But tell me about intelligent automation and Rainbird AI. I mean, you have an actually interesting story. I think you've, you've founded and exited five companies or something like crazy like that. You know, take a few minutes. Uh, tell us about you and uh, the, what you're doing there at Rainbird, just fundamentally. What's the value proposition? Why is it different? You have the force. Okay, so yeah, no problem. Quick, quick intro. So I'm originally a software engineer way, way back, but decided I liked scaling businesses more. So yeah, Rainbird's the fifth company I've co-founded. Um, I spent um, many years in sort of risk and compliance globally, uh, but I've been involved broadly in AI and building cognitive solutions for the last 15 years. And co-founded Rainbird back in 2013. It's actually originally a textiles company. So went through the textiles accelerator uh, program in London. Um, and uh, my co-founder is uh, a chap called Ben Taylor, who I had the pleasure of working with in a previous business. And it's always easier in a startup if you know the, the you know, you, you're going to be keeping good company. You, you know the people you're getting into business with. Um, and, uh, you know, we're about 50 people. We're scaling quite rapidly. Um, so what's Rainbird? Rainbird is an intelligent automation platform that's focused on automating decision making. So we're in that decision automation space where, uh, you know, we enable people to take human expertise and build these extremely nuanced, very rapid models, these kind of knowledge graph models that enable our technology to uh, make decisions at tremendous scale. And typically the decisions that Rainbird makes outperforms the expert that build the model, but can do it like 100 times faster. So it has applications from you know, financial risk areas like fraud, financial crime, anti-money laundering, KYC, all of the transactional decision-making that go, takes place in financial services, lending decisions, these sorts of things could just as easily be, be underwriting insurance claims or, you know, uh, um, policies or looking at claims. We work in healthcare. We, we provide clinical support uh, decisions to, to clinical processes. Um, it's really agnostic of what you want to automate, but that's the that's the space that we occupy and we collaborate with everybody else in that market. So we work with all the RPA providers. Uh, we work with all of the machine learning providers. We really occupy a unique capability in that space. And thank you for the intro. The, 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 the thing I think it's interesting in, in Rainbird and I love to talk about intelligent automation as a topic is broad um, and it can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. Generally, it, it gets grouped often into RPA or robotic process automation. But you guys fill a specific need that sits in between the decisions that RPA would execute versus versus the recommendations, let's say an AI system would recommend. Uh, could you talk a little bit about how it, Rainbird itself is is leveraged in decision making, you know, and the, the things that go along with that, but also the uh, how it's leveraged in the value proposition of reducing risk. What's that really mean? Because you have a couple of really really cool applications and uh, use cases around fraud and, and specific around COVID. And we'll get into the details, but maybe just back up a second of where it fits in the intelligent automation life, if you will, or, or the yeah, uh, so, ecosystem. You know, no, that makes sense. So, uh, you know, artificial intelligence, intelligent automation, these are all very broad terms that are somewhat unhelpful. You know, AI is a massively broad church and 
you could probably sit and list off 35 different technologies that, that come under that umbrella. So, and I think it's interesting. I think businesses that scale in this space need to actually pick a pick a pick a pick a label uh, and then define themselves in, in how they fit into that world. So, I mean, I think you know pe people typically when they're looking at intelligent automation, yeah, RPA is the, the the pointed tip of the spear of that piece. It's typically where this has landed, um, and, and and RPA is fantastic at, at clearly the robotic part, but also you know it's really focused on task automation. Uh, there are very few technologies out there that are capable of um, let's say reasoning or thinking through uh, complex logic and, and, and data, particularly in the, the world we're in, which is where data is missing, it's, it's ambiguous, it, nothing's absolutely black and white, and being able to rationalize that and come up with a, a, a decision which is evidence-based. So if you think about the, the intelligent automation world, you might say you have a, you know, with a, particularly with all the AI and machine learning, deep learning technologies that are being piled on top of it, you have some very simple rules-based type technologies, decision trees. You know, we, we're all familiar with them. Anybody can write down a business process. They're very easy conceptually to use, but they're also quite limiting. Um, and they're only able to really, you know, automate very simple process tasks. On the other end of the scale, we have machine learning. So, you know, you're not starting with a, what a human knows, like you would be with a decision tree. You're starting with a corpus of data and you're trying to build some kind of algorithm that is might be predictive. But, you know, machine learning could look, look wrong and be right and look right and be wrong. And how do you know the difference if it's not explainable? Um, so huge value to be found in machine learning, but I, I, I still consider that to be an analysis technology. You typically still have a human on the end interpreting that result and putting their name to it, particularly when you're making decisions in regulated markets. Uh, and and you know, regulation is a little uneven globally, but increasingly there is scrutiny on how machines are making decisions and, and they need to be justifiable. So Rainbow really sits with the, between those two worlds with the benefits of both. You know, it's, so you can kind of start with a corpus, not of just data, but what you already know. You can build a model based on existing expertise. Um, it can make complex, nuanced, probabilistic decisions uh, over data, but it can also explain itself. So whenever Rainbow gives you an answer, it gives you uh, uh, how confident it is. It can even give you a distribution of answers, but every single uh, answer comes with an entire chain of reasoning that you can you know, piles out into plain English PDF document that explains why. So you can make decisions at scale. They have all the benefits of being probabilistic and, and working even if data is missing. We can augment humans by bringing them in, a sort of human in the loop. So Rainbow can work alongside people that may be able to provide data that's missing at runtime. But the result of this is, you know, a quality of decision-making across this transactional decision-making that most businesses and regulators spaces have to do. Um, it knocks out the, the, the hidden cost of inconsistent decision-making by taking out you know, bias and avoiding the impact that noise and interference has on the way we make decisions, uh, something that's very well documented, but gives you that, 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 that audit trail behind that, that decision as well. So maybe, maybe walk you through how does, uh, let's go into the use case. So you have two main use cases that use cases I think are uh, you know, around fraud and COVID. And if we could maybe focus just because it's topical and it's, it's certainly affecting the world, you're doing something really amazing with the National Health Services. I think I have that right. Uh, for, yeah, the NHS, National Health Service, yeah. Yeah, for, for the UK. And not the entire UK, the whole NHS is using that. But for the subset you're using, maybe you could talk about what you're doing there. And, and specifically on the how-to, how does a, how is it actually used? Like, so like some of the times it's like some of these systems are like, but how does the person working leverage actually work with it? So maybe set up the use case explain why it's relevant and, and work into how it's leveraged in, in the, the course of someone's every day. 
Yeah, so maybe, maybe I, I might just start by explaining how this, this project even came about, because I think that's quite an great. <laughs> interesting story. Um, you know, Rainbow didn't have a big footprint in healthcare before COVID. Um, lots of financial services, lots, lots in tax automation, you know, five out of the big six global tax companies use Rainbird or partner with us. So lots of sort of uh, regulated markets. But when COVID happened, uh, I mean, and we really realized that it was going to have the impact it's turned out to have back in, in, in March 2020, we took the decision that we would offer the technology to free uh, to our national health service and anybody else that felt that it could be used for the greater good. And, and really, that was a way that we could, you know, keep everybody busy and focused, but also find our relevance in, in the kind of post-COVID world, if you like. And so we were actually approached um, by a number of uh, what we call NHS trusts. So there are around 200 trusts throughout uh, England. Um, and they approached us and said, you know, we, we have some really tricky problems right now. I mean, the, the first one actually was, was the government issued self-isolation advice. Um, and they were getting, I mean, a hospital would get hundreds of calls a day from staff who weren't sure whether to isolate, that the rules were just too complex to interpret, you know. Um, you know, if you were if you were in, if you if you had positive symptoms, you had to isolate for seven days, but your family had to isolate for, for 14 days and people were getting confused. And, and I think at the peak, one hospital had 600 phone calls in a day. And it's like if clinicians are, are confused, how do you think the rest of the population yeah. is coping? Well, I mean, say, look, can you build can we just build something that people can talk to? I mean, it kind of manifested itself as a constant conversation interface, kind of a chatbot type type interface that people can talk to about their their circumstances. So, you know what they do what they're suffering from, what their family setup is, who else is in their household. And it would just render the, the government regulations on what you should do and just tell you, give you contextual advice. It would generate a, a, a PDF at the end of the process and would say, you know, that's what you must do. You must now isolate until this date, then you come back, use this tool, tell your family to go and do this. We've told your manager that you're off sick, so you don't have to worry about that. And we deployed it. And the thing was built and deployed in three days. Oh, wow. And that inbound call volume went from hundreds of calls a day to, to, to about a dozen. And that were people that hadn't heard about the tool. And then the trust were like, that, that's amazing. You've just literally taken all this resource we had answering the phone. We can now put that to frontline use. Um, we need to risk assess everybody in, in, in the NHS. So we have 1.4 million workers in our National Health Service in the UK. Uh, and the, the uh, NHS, the central entity, effectively told trust that they had to risk assess everybody. Everybody who was high risk, a bit of an oxymoron. How do you how do you know someone's high risk unless you risk assess them? Well, you're high risk if you're from a, uh, from a, an ethnic group. You're high risk if you uh, are over a certain age. You're high risk if your BMI, your body mass index is high, i.e. you're overweight. You're high risk actually in the end by July, they were saying you're high risk if you're male. So effectively trust had to uh, get managers to interview every member of staff, ask them about their uh, all of their medical history to try and figure out whether it was safe for them to be in different clinical If settings. I can ask a question. So wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I'm trying to put this in terms of US. Okay. Managers um, have to go to employees and ask them personal health questions to assess the risk. That was the... Yeah, well, so, so what you would do in peacetime is you would have an <laughs> occupational health consultant, an occupational health nurse, whose job it is to look after the health of the workforce. And in the UK, every health worker has a as a medical file with the occupational health team who are there to look after their welfare, that, that you would expect them to do it, but you are 1.4 million people. So there are not enough occupational health people to do this. So in the end, what had to happen is managers, you know, all these trusts are being left to create their own solution. Managers would speak to their staff and say, you know, do you have any of the diseases on this list? 
you know, what is your height and weight so I can work out your BMI, you know, uh, and all these other questions. And on that list, it's saying things like, you know, do you have HIV? Do you have cancer? Have you had an organ transplant? There's a whole range of personal questions. And it is, you know, that is a, that is a major problem. You know, employers have no business knowing the individual medical background of their staff. So we were approached and said, look, can we do this using Rainbird? And, and actually this went from being an idea to being live in the first trust in eight days. And actually five days of that was getting it through a clinical approval process. Well, but, but that speaks to the technology bit, right? Cause this is just a use case that can be put into this technology as akin to a fraud or, or a number of others, right? So the, the idea of eight is incredibly fast but the technology is set up to do exactly that. Is, is yeah. that a fair statement? I think it's a fair statement. I mean, somebody said, how did you do that in eight days? And the answer was, I mean, the answer I wanted to give is actually we did in eight hours. It just took the rest of the time to get it approved. Um, but, but the reason why that's possible is we spent eight years building a platform that enables you to do that in such a, a short space of time. And the key reason why that's viable, and bear in mind, this is all done over Zoom by remote. You know, we're sitting down with the clinician and one of our teams sat down with them who's, a, who's you know, very practiced at using our technology. But, but actually, you know, with a week's training, the clinician could have built this model themselves, right? Rainbird is not a tool for IT. It is a tool for the business. It's part of this whole democratization of these uh, of AI. It's part of devolving, you know, responsibility for these tools from IT to the business users who are the beneficiaries of these technologies. And, and you know, RPAs try to do that. We, we, we're very successful. Rainbird is a, is a low-code or no, almost no-code solution. You can build something like this. You could build without any coding. So we sat down with them. They've, there is an emerging model that was the risk model. So you know, there is logic coming out of Public Health England and various other research institutions that is defining, you know, statistically the risk if you're, if you're from an ethnic minority, your risk, your risk of COVID, to COVID is higher. Um, and uh, we had to build this into a model. So this looks a bit like a, like a spider diagram or a mind map. It's a visual process of modeling. And then effectively we put a little front end on that and when you ask, you're asking Rainbird, what's my COVID risk? By which we really mean, what is the risk to my health if I contract COVID? How bad is my disease going to be? And Rainbird knows nothing about you. There's no data behind this. It's actually got all the logic, but no data. So Rainbird automatically constructs a dialogue. So no one scripts questions. Rainbird constructs the questions it needs to ask. So it goes, well, you know, can you, can you, you know, what's your, do you want to give me your height and weight in, 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 in American Imperial measurements? Or do you want to give it in metric? Okay, how, how tall are you? How heavy are you? Are you, are you what's your biological sex? What's your ethnicity? You know, uh, has anyone ever told you that you're extremely thin if you're vulnerable? Um, do you no have- one, No one's ever said that to me. You're extremely thin. Well, then you, you're, that, that's a good thing. Well, you know, you're a, you're a, a thick, skinny, young uh, white man. So COVID is not gonna give you quite such a hard time as it is others. But it asks you these questions, but, but Rainbird dynamically constructs the dialogue. And really what it's doing is what we do you know, if you go, if you were to go and see a, 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 you know, if you were to speak to your manager for that, that, that matter, and you, and, and, you know, they don't know enough about you, they're gonna, we ask questions, people ask questions to gather data, and we, we kind of mash it all together in our head, and we might make some reference to some set of rules, and we'll make a decision. Rainbow synthesizes that process, but it does it with ruthless accuracy. And if it doesn't know something, if you say, do you know what, I'm not going to answer that question. I'm not going to tell you my ethnicity. I'm not going to tell you my age. Rainbow can actually still continue to make a judgment. It may reduce its certainty in that judgment. It may say, well, do you know what? I'm actually 70% sure you're high risk, but I could have been much sure if you'd have told me this. It, it picks that out and it kind of does that for free. It's part of the nature of it. So it's a very versatile, uh, dynamic, organic way of taking knowledge 
and publishing in that, that in some way could be through a chatbot, could be an Amazon Alexa. I think at one point we had Pepper robots going around that you could talk to uh, that were powered by Rainbird um, out in Asia, but, but some sort of interface uh, so that you can consult with it. But if you've got all the data, let's say you've got all this data on your staff, you just squirt it into Rainbird, you know, 10,000 records and Rainbird gives you 10,000 answers. So how, how does it, uh, how, tell me about the data, because some of the, you know, I think speak to it a little bit of knowing that certain ethnicities or if your gender or whatever is higher risk. Do we talk first about that data of how you, how you know that? And second, as it collects data, is it just kept in memory and you don't ever keep it? You know, if I'm thinking US HIPAA laws or whatever laws apply to privacy, talk to me about how it leverages the data and what happens to it from, you know, are you just another manager that has access to my data and other people can see it? Or talk, talk to me about how it's leveraged. I think that's important to know. In, in this. Yeah, no, no, yeah. Let, let, me, let me tackle that first. So, so Rainbird ultimately is a platform that enables you to do what you want. So you have choice. You can have Rainbird remember the data. You can have it instantly forget the data. You can have it remember some things, but not other things. You can have it remember some things, but degrade its confidence in those things over time. So if I know your date of birth, that, that, that information is good forever. If I need to know your... Uh, your pregnancy status, that's going to change over time. I'm sure yours isn't, but you know, yeah, you, you never know. know. So that's going to, that's going to change over time. So, so Rainbird, it gives you absolute control over your data. You can set different retention policies. Critically, critically, what we did with this COVID tool is at the end of this process that literally it took two to three minutes for someone to go through it. So you could have the entire hospital risk assessed in an hour is it would produce two reports. It would produce one for your manager that would basically explain the risk status of you and what that means for them. So what mitigations they need to go and put in place. And they could then go and speak to that individual and, and do a manager-led assessment. They can say, well, this piece of paper says you're, you're, you're high risk. You're working at the moment in a known COVID area. We need to shield you. You need to be in a non-patient facing area. We're gonna give you something else to do and we'll put somebody else who's a lower risk in that, in that role to do, the, do that job for you. But, but we can redact that report. So Rainbird can not share any of the reasons why they're high risk. So if they're high risk because they're HIV positive, manager has no business knowing that, then that's not that's not necessary. I just pick one example. It could be any reason. Let, right? let me ask you a question with that though. Let's say I just game the system and I say that I'm a, a black Asian seven-year-old that has a BMI of 50. I just don't really want to go to work, but I want to collect my check now. How do you take what's been given I doubt you're using blockchain or anything like that with that, but something where it's okay, that doesn't actually line up to something other data that we have. So maybe talked about how you validate the answers from a human. Yeah, I mean, bearing in mind this system was built in just a few days. What we did is we create a second report, which includes the full medical detail, which is then securely sent to your occupational health consultant. So what happens if it turns up and, 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 and it says you're high risk, then an occupational health nurse would look at that report and say, we need a, we need a face-to-face or a, probably a remote, you know, Microsoft Teams or a Zoom call with you to talk to you about that risk. Um, so uh, so that, that's how that was dealt with. So, so it's, it's the process piece where, okay, listen, you, you've been identified as high risk. Now you do need a physician sign off to validate that as a second yeah, data point. Exactly. Okay. But what it meant is it, it meant that the occupational health people could deal with the people that, that, that really needed the human resource to come in and do that. You see, these, these to me, these technologies are not, they are all about working hand in hand with humans, it is not about trying to automate medical decisions, right? That there is no, we're not in that position. No, no one is in that position. We're trying to provide decision support to uh, an overstretched workforce who, you know, the more, you know, it's human nature. The more tired you are, the poorer the quality of the decision is going to be. Well, that, but that's a good point. So, so in this case, you want the human involved, but if you shift gears to like, let's say a high volume fraud case transaction, you do want to automate that decision to some degree to, that this is clearly fraud and these are not. and 
maybe t t talk about that flip side of Rainbird's power that in the same stroke where you can have human intervention to help you make better decisions, you can automate a bunch of decision-making that a humans could never get to from a volume standpoint. Yeah, so let's talk, let's talk about that, that, that transactional fraud, something like credit card fraud um, is, a, is a good example of that. You know, so typically what, uh, what banks do or credit card companies do is they will use machine learning algorithms, so very traditional uh, kind of um, ML learned algorithms, looking at that very high volume transactional data, trying to find you know, some glitch in the matrix that puts a red flag on that case. And just statistically, that doesn't look right. I'll tell you why, but that, that looks like a, a break in the pattern. Great example, last time I saw you face-to-face, -face, I think it was in, in New York. Um, and uh, pretty much I can guarantee if I turn up in New York, my credit card won't work because, you know, my, 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 my bank, this algorithm does, that, that looks wrong, right? I'm not there often enough that, that that looks right. Now, the reality is if a human looked at that, they would say, oh, I can see that James is, personal assistant, you know, bought, bought plane tickets on, the, on, on her credit card. This isn't fraud. This is just a guy who's on a business trip. And, and that's what happens. So the red flag goes on some transaction. It gets funneled off to somebody offshore who will then manually look at that in a process that on average will take 10, 15 minutes and actually take the red flag off again and try and do that without disturbing me. Because if I keep getting text messages saying that my credit card's got a fraud block on it, I'm going to Put the card to the back of the wallet and I'm not going to use it anymore that's, right amen right <laughs> so i'm sure that's a very familiar uh, scenario and 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 you know particularly the us you guys all, you, you have lots of credit cards so uh, i honestly i have one that i just want to switch banks now like checking in or like i can't buy anything without like is this fraud like i'm pretty sure i buy gas from every two weeks um but, but nine, the, the problem is 95 percent of those at least 95 percent of those of those did, those those uh, red flags that have been picked up by some machine learning algorithm that you remember can't explain itself readily are false positives. So you, you rely on a large. To, to be fair, this company is certainly doing it manually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to mention the bank, but but they could definitely benefit from this technology. Yeah. So so actually, some of the work we did originally was was working with the teams that were doing with the, the, those exceptions, right? So it took us only six weeks uh, of working with you know you take the three best performing people, you take a bunch of cases. You build a model that outperforms that team significantly, outperforms them by 25% in terms of the quality of the decision. So it's identifying fraud when people are missing it, and it's lifting flags on cases that aren't fraud that people are still still think it might be. Um, but it took it took like a, a process that was like 10, 12 minutes down to an average of eight seconds. So and you so, wonder why why wasn't it eight milliseconds? Right. I, well, I, it makes me wonder of of you know. It's your job, obviously, to explain this in a way that why isn't everyone using this? And you're doing a fantastic job doing this. But what why, what are the objections for implementing this? I mean, so, so to be fair, it's SaaS-based, so it's not even an on-prem. You can click at home in pajamas and, and set it up and buy it and get going, right? And you have services behind it that can be work with your team. You have all the things needed to make it very easy. Lay a credit card down and whatever you want to do. And But what I, I'm, I'm, I fail to understand is, especially... And I want you to talk about this because I thought this is what blew me away is what you guys are currently doing to enable uh, better decision making on COVID for return to work, return to schools, uh, NHS, maybe equivalent here would be hosp large hospitals or large uh, communities where there's people at risk that you got to figure out health care workers should be in certain environments. Why aren't people, is it just the best kept secret? Do we have to yell at your marketing guy? What is what's going, what's <laughs> no, going on? We have a great marketing guy. Uh, no, I so know we, I I love him, so I, I, love, I have to give him a little crap in the background here. That, that, that whole team's fantastic. No, look, we're, we're growing, right? So we're we're growing, but this is a fast-moving space, and I think the problem Rainbird solves 
is one that people are only just beginning to wake up to even being a problem that's solvable, let alone that Rainbow is the right solution. You know, I, I can show Rainbird to a team of people and, and, and you know, any, I, I will demo Rainbird to anybody. I, I, I still love doing it. It's, it's, a, it's a very- You're a demo junkie. Cool. I've seen you. I see you just do it to sometimes the kids that are just passing. <laughs> it's, a, it's just a, you know, it, 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 I've, I've, had people, I've had people cry when I've done a demo of Rainbird because they're like, I wish I found this 10 months ago. This would have just completely changed. You handle someone crying during a demo. I, I've seen people hang up. I've seen people laugh at me. I've seen people. I, I, I could give you her name. I won't. I won't. Win them. <laughs> I don't I have so somebody cry because they've just spent so long trying to do this another way. Um, but, you know, I, I've had I've had engineers turn around and, and go, you know, just swear at me and just go, that is that is that is amazing. Now, so it's very it's very powerful to, 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 to demonstrate. But here's the challenge, right? Here's the challenge. We can, you know, CEOs of technology companies can, can evangelize about the fantastic transformational capabilities of this technology. And, and I can, getting, talking to a C-suite around a board table and having, I can leave them arguing with each other about where they should start, okay? But that's the challenge. The challenge is you can't buy this amazing transformational vision. You buy a solution to a tangible pain you recognize, okay? So part of the challenge I think all platform businesses have is the platform itself is very powerful. You know, it could be applied to all sorts of different use cases, but you can't buy a dream. You have to buy a solution to an immediate and tangible pain. Yeah. And actually you have to then recognize what that is. So the way we do this, the way we do this is we develop these things called blueprints and blueprints are templates. They are effectively projects that either we've built in Rainbird as an example of what you can do or our partners do. And we have lots of partners internationally. We work with we're a global business. That, that, that themselves have a whole team of people in Rainbow building these solutions. So if you want to do something around KYC, anti-money laundering, or something around fraud, we have a blueprint. So you don't need to take Rainbird and start from scratch. You know, continuous monitoring is in KYC is a huge area right now. Most of the big players in the IA market are focused on it. We've built uh, uh, with some uh, a number of ex-Big Four consultants and engaged with a whole big chunk of the market, including you know, a bank and a wealth management company and, and some of these consultancies. And we have built out a, a next generation series uh, of models in Rainbird, which can you know, enable you to do continuous monitoring, meet all the requirements of this upcoming legislation without changing any of your technology. It's like, it's like throwing a blanket over your existing technology and adding an intelligence layer that can be looking at that data, making much smarter decisions. But, but, but you have to recognize that this is possible. And that is where, you know, businesses like ours that are a little bit on that edge of what, 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 what you can do have to have a duty to educate the market. So, you know, we, we have training programs, we have Rainbow University, we have a whole ecosystem to help people recognize what's possible and, and, you know, and patience and a willingness to invest in long-term relationships. But people buy a solution to a problem and then they're like, I mean, this is, this is the way it goes, right? This is the way it goes. I talk about Rainbird and, it, and its transformational capabilities. People love that vision. And then what you do is you narrow down on a specific problem that you know you can help them with. And right now, there's half a dozen things around COVID that we're doing. You know, screening for COVID anxiety is another example. 50% of our workforce in the NHS now has a mental health problem because of COVID. It's a serious issue. So wow. that's something we can do really easily, right? So, you, so you, you, you find a solution to a problem, you use Rainbird for that. And then once you've got it, you go, people go, huh, I can use this for other things, can't I? Yes, you can. You've actually now totally transformed your your business into this with this new digital capability. So you know what else do what else should we do? What else can you can you do with it? And we help them do build these projects. There's partner networks out there, plenty of service companies that can support them if they don't have the resource. But it's the business solving the business's problems using this tech. And 
platform always beats point solution. You know, you can buy a point solution, it's comforting, it solves your problem. What we can do with these blueprints is help you solve the problem, but actually you have the ability to expand, customize, string all these systems together, get them to talk to each other and actually build longevity rather than set yourself up for the next yeah. generation of technical legacy. So, you know, it, 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 let me focus on the financial side. So is it, a, I mean, obviously the big banks in the world, wealth management can afford this, but can a mid-sized regional, super regional banks in the US, could, can they, is it pay as you go? So if I have one use case and that's all I can afford or all I see the value of, and then I can stack on, just do my Costco like any other SaaS model where I, the more I add on, the more, the, you know, there's a, there's a business case for each use case that I add. Or tell me about maybe specifically around a bank size, because I, I hate to stack a question, but the problem in the U.S. is a lot of times the solutions are so expensive that the midsize in, in, in when you add professional services, it just gets too expensive for the credit unions of the world, these other ones. So no, it's talk a, about that a bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. So rain, you're right to say Rainbow is a SaaS solution. You can, you know, you can buy a license and you can get cracking with it online. We can put it in a private cloud. We can put it on premise. Rainbow's portable. And, and right now it's running for, for various clients in every single cloud environment out there. You know, it's in Azure, it's at AWS, it's, it's all over the place. And it's behind firewalls when banks want to do that. So we have different models for those, but that all works. Rainbow actually only has one thing really that it wants to sell the world. And that is a subscription to this powerful ecosystem. So, uh, and it's a really, it's a really simple on-ramp. So, you know, organizations can be using Rainbird for a few thousand, a few thousand pounds uh, a month. It's not a big license subscription fee. Um, you can get going without having to make sort of multi-year commitments. It's a very easy ramp and, and it scales actually, the license scales in, in price with value. And, and it's a very simple formula for that. It's on one axis only. And that is the pace at which Rainbird is making decisions. So, you know, it may be that you want to be using Rainbird for uh, creating some kind of, you know, doing, doing a tax, analyzing a tax return, let's say. That's a typical job that somebody might sit down there and spend, you know, if not minutes, hours doing. Okay. If you, you could do, you want to do 150 of those a day, you can do those on a basic license. If you want to make 10,000 decisions a day, then, then you need to buy more capacity. So you can literally just turn it up uh, so that Rainbird allows you to, 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 to automate more processing. And it's as simple as that. So it's, it's, it's not expensive. It's, 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 uh, it's actually uh, you know, a, a, a comparable or cheaper than the RPA products that are out there, but it's a whole other level of value. It's not just doing lots of small, low value tasks. You can have Rainbird do some really complex tasks as, as well as you know, do some of the more procedural autonomous stuff. So could it, it? So is it fair to say, like, if you're in the financial industry, you can start for a few thousand pounds a year. I don't know how much it would be, but for a, a blueprint fraud a fraud template, a blueprint template, or in COVID, if you're doing one of the number of the ones you have there, you can start with one of those. Are those all the same type of prices start? For yeah. So actually, these blueprints, so it's, it's a little bit like imagine you're buying Microsoft Excel and you have all these templates that are examples. We actually give our blueprints away, so we don't charge for blueprints. People have to buy a license to the underlying platform. Uh, we have a whole whole investment that we have made with with in healthcare around COVID. So the COVID stuff we've done, uh, all of the tools that we've built on that's all been part of our pro bono practice. We we don't charge for that. Um, and actually, with healthcare institutions, we've 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 provided subsidized license as well because actually we're not trying to monetize organizations out of COVID. But you know we've got to put our face mask on before helping others. We've got to keep ourselves afloat. So we we do having spent many months doing providing free licenses to healthcare, we do, we do charge, but we have a, we have a reduced charge for, for, for hospitals and for our national health service. Um, but the actual blueprints that sit on top, these are, these are things that, you know, they're, they're examples of, of how you can use Rainbow. They have immediate utility. You can, you can, you know, use them and put them live. 
very quickly. They, but they, they, they're our gift to our clients. It's the license that we, we charge for, and that's our model. And that works very well, actually, because you know sometimes it's partners that are building blueprints. It's not always us that are doing that. Well, that, that's a, that was another question. So you talk about the global ecosystem. So as partners build blueprints, it's their IP, but you guys are building them constantly in the background. So there's more and more and more available to, to it, and basically it's like an accelerator. So it's the hyper automation, if you will, the intelligent automation, the new Gartner term of the year. Um, yeah. So, but that's the hyper part. It's the accelerating by creating, uh, you know, a, a playbook or a, a, a selection of a catalog or so to speak. Talk to me, Amimi, do you accelerate the discovery of the process when it's unknown? So if you have a, if you have a template, that's one thing, but if, if we have a problem and we have a custom process around as a company, how do you accelerate the development of that? Or is it, is it really as fast as watch the process or talk through it and you just start mapping it? Talk, you know what I mean? Cause yeah, you, so we, 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 run, we, that can get long, that can get complicated sometimes on the, no, it's interesting. Rainbow projects are nowhere near as big to build as people, as time consuming to build as people think. And the reason is that you're not trying to internalize data, right? What you're actually trying to do is you're looking at the ruthless logic that there is the, 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 the foundation of how, you know, a smart, intelligent person would make these decisions. We're using human knowledge as the basis for these projects. Um, so it's, it, you know, the nature of it is such that you can, you can build those very quickly. And we, we have a whole client success team and a partner success team that work with our clients and partners. We have a whole framework for use case discovery. You know, for, first and foremost, we understand knowledge. We understand how knowledge works. We understand how people make the 15 to 30,000 decisions a day that they make. And once we help people recognize the basis of their own decision-making, Everybody becomes an architect. You don't need to be, you know, a, a software engineer to use Rainbird. You need to recognize, um, you know, how it is that you make decisions. You already know a language. Everybody speaks a language. A lot of this sort of uh, technology is based on linguistics. If you want to build a model that represents knowledge, that's based on language. So you need to understand a little bit about linguistics. But we have a whole program that teaches you this. So after 48 hours, you can feel comfortable and competent starting to build your first simple models. Um, and, and you can iterate, you know, you can, you can get Rainbird and, and just spitball and start brainstorming out ideas. And you can publish those and get say, hey, go talk to my little chatbot, query that. You can build some workflow around it. You can do various things to then bring that to life in a process of hours or days. And that's a very collaborative way of, of, of developing. And you, you can pull geolocation data in, you can pull financial data in, you can pull in weather, you can pull all kinds yeah. of things. You can connect to any, any API. And actually one of the things that we've got coming up is, is a whole bunch of new you know, connectors and, and extra capability that's there. We've got some really exciting developments coming down, but it's, it's, it's all about enabling you to rapidly be able to build these models and, 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 and put them live. So it's nice to, it's not vaporware, it's actually raining in Rainbird. No, it's definitely, it's definitely not vaporware. Come on, that was a, a semi-efficient pun. <laughs> Slight, slight, slightly, 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 of course, you know, I live, I live in England, so rain is something where, uh, I heard it, right. I heard it sprinkles there. Um, all right. I'm going to go on a limb here though. So, you know, in any, in any investment, anything around technology, I'm not a big, I am a whore. I actually don't like anything. It's only operational insight or dashboarding. Like it, to me, it's a waste. It's a nice to have, but it doesn't really add value. It doesn't lower costs really, but it seems though it, the efficiency gains you can get from the decision making and in a, in a side conversation we had about this, where you could have 10 of your best underwriters in insurance, all high performers, top notch, probably the, I think you said the consistency of the decision-making is like 60% apart. Like it's, it's yeah, so this, massively this actually, apart. Yeah. So this is, this is actually, uh, this has come from Daniel Kahneman's research. I mean, for those that don't know, Daniel Kahneman, Nobel prize winning economist, um, you know, his work, his work actually demonstrated that if you, if you take a group of people even the highest performing. So these are people that have done the same job in the same firm for at least five years. They're running by the same rules. 
let's say they're underwriting and underwriting is a good example because there's a financial premium that might be a measure of, of, of how accurate their decision is. You give them all the same case, you can see whether they all come up with the same premium. Of course, this is something that people have never done. They never tested this. And he did a whole bunch of research here. And yes, you're right. The highest performing group of people, the highest performing had a variance of between 40 and 60%. Yes. And actually the, the, the people that were running those organizations sort of had their head in their hands and they're like, this, this, is, this can't be, this is terrible. And, well, and that's, what, that's, what, that's what we mean by the hidden cost of inconsistent decision-making. Some of that is bias, but some of that is noise. We're just not very good at propagating probability. You know, our decisions are based on sub-decisions, which are based on sub-decisions. Um, so we have uncertainties in our minds. We talk about instinct and you know feelings we have in our water and you know, it's my feeling this and that. These are all false labels for actually what's a mathematical process of inference and, uh, and machines can just do that better. Yeah, they, well, scarier, uh, an objective process that's actually uh, being uh, automated subjectively. <laughs> so uh, if, un two under if underwriters can't come to the same decision on a premium, not only is there, I mean, there's revenue loss, but there's a, there's a big problem for personal bias being put in without it being realized. And, you know, uh, automating systems of inequality sounds hor horrific and it's coming if we don't trust our models and have them transparent and built in a way that's truly based on data that's not based upon inequalities or uh, inequity, if you say it that way. But the, the thing I was going to limit is that you actually sound, it sounds like with the adoption model, you, you not only get a better customer experience, you get the efficiency, it gives you opportunity to either reduce costs and therefore have better investment or more revenue just by improving how it, it's almost impossible to quantify the intangible benefits of bad decision-making or, or decision-making as we described where it's 40 to 60% different. And so it, it's like a, it's almost like dark data of loss that you can't, it, like you didn't know was there because things were running pretty well and you're profitable, but you could have been that much better. You could have had that much more impact for your, your customer base or whatever else would be. Uh, I, I've, uh, I, you don't see a lot of systems like that. So I, 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 think, uh, I think what you guys have created is pretty unique. It's its own piece. It's somewhere on the AI side, somewhere on the intelligent automation side. It may actually may be mostly just the intelligent automation platform that most have described that because you guys are you're integrated with a number of the RPA and I'm, I mean say the names I don't know which ones you're in. Yeah, we're, we're partnered with Blue Prism and you are yeah. and, and, and others. Yeah, we're absolutely we're integrated into those ecosystems. And, and what that means is basically you can leverage that model in the decision making of an RPA process. At the same time, you can kick off an RPA a, a bot if you will on a schedule to go do things based on a, a list of decisions that have been made or accepted to be made later. Yeah. And so those two go hand in hand. So if you're using those technologies. You you have a lot of power there that helps you give the transparency on the 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 more subjective or very long objective if thens if you will uh, decision making that that RPA does struggle with but it's good at just executing once it knows the answer right yeah so. absolutely I mean it does a robotic piece which which is which is you know we have we were washed with such technical legacy that robotic piece is going to be necessary for a long time but everybody recognizes that they want to build greater capability on these frameworks and and that's where that's where the intelligent automation becomes as you said hyper 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 automation and these other capabilities but transparency i mean transparency is really key in an increasingly regulated space and and all the ethical issues that there are around that so the fact that rainbow is infinitely explainable is is, is a absolutely key philosophy and i'm not going to talk about it now but we have a whole research we've got a whole other platform that's around making machine learning explainable so maybe that's a subject for another discussion but it's it's it's, it's bringing transparency is really key but the other thing you said that that really I think is important is every organization wants to basically do three things. They want to reduce their cost base. They want to, uh, 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 you know, 
improve outcomes for their customers, improving retention and loyalty, and they want to go and find new revenues, right? And there are not many technologies out there that can do more than one of those. And there's, that there aren't many that can do, you know, uh, 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 all, all of those in one use case. And Rainbow genuinely can. It is not just about doing things faster. And when I refer to the Daniel Kahneman research, you know, there's a, there's a great paper out there. You can go and Google it on, on Harvard Business Review. It's called Noise, um, the inconsistent cost, the, the hidden cost of inconsistent decision-making. Because it is hidden. It is hidden. And if you don't look for it, you don't know that it's there. But as soon as you start bringing automation to the decision-making of people, providing decision support to people beyond the decision tree and not getting into ML that's not explainable, forget the NLP stuff, just building tools that understand all of the logic and make reasoned complex decisions every time, you combine that with human collateral. The humans can then do the things that machines are rubbish at, which is building rapport with customers, being creative, doing all those things that we have a long way to go you have not just a massive efficiency saving, and, and typically it's two magnitudes, it's like literally 100 times faster, but you actually have higher, better quality outcomes. It's making better decisions. And that could be taking money that's being left on the table on a deal, it could be providing better service. That all depends on the use case. And then, and then we've got a whole startup, we actually have a startup plan. It's a whole startup ecosystem who are building their entire business on the, on the Rainbow platform, going out and launching products that just wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for Rainbow. And there's some of the some of the big consultancies out there are, are using Rainbow to power digital products as well. But there's a whole startup economy uh, where you know if you've got subject matter expertise, you can productize that you know with, with this sort of technology. So it is genuinely you know achieving all of those things, and I think that's a really exciting space. That would be a good follow-up. I would love to have another conversation on the startup piece, uh, building a business on top of the Rainbow platform. That would be. That, that warrants a further discussion because my, my head's turning on so many ideas, applications that I've never thought of. And specifically, if like you get it to, uh, to a person just doing a job out there, if they can use it on the mobile, I would assume that they, you know, they have some kind of thing they need to execute and they get alerted that, hey, have you done these things? And that creates data points of what they should do next based on their, so and I, I'm pretty sure it goes on the mobile level to, to like the end user of somebody who's a, an employee of a company somewhere that they need to put this data in to go execute their job or, or to know to go do the next thing. or And then that ties back to a bigger model of what management then can say, here's a decision of what should they do next or who should go where or whatever. And uh, let I will take that as, as a follow-up. You're committing to it. Thank you very much on how to build a business upon the Rainbow platform. What's some different ideas of, you know, why would you do that versus do it yourself or where does, how does that accelerate it? So I, I wasn't aware you guys were doing that. That, that sounds like a fantastic idea to, uh, talk about and actually if you're building a business to go do yeah no it's really great we've, we've got a we've got a growing a growing collection of startups that are just doing some really really interesting things and you know some of these are quite some of these are quite niche you know so we've got what we just very quickly got one, one firm that, that that has recognized that the single biggest bit of fr biggest bit of friction in the uh, motor insurance industry is is determining liability whose fault was it it's based on hundreds of years of case law it's very complex they build a model in Rainbow that enables you to, you literally chats to both parties and it figures out who's lying, who's telling the truth and whose fault it would be if you took this to court. Now that solves a problem for, and that causes friction in an entire industry. And, you know, to build something that nuanced uh, by hand would take, take a big team of developers years. And it, you know, guess what? The rules change all the time. It's 10 times easier to maintain this stuff. So that's a good, that's a good example. But it's, 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 
you know, sometimes I feel like we've invented Lego. I have no idea what people are going to do with this stuff. I'm pretty sure when they invented Lego way, way back, no one was ever going to visualize a Millennium Falcon would somehow manifest out of this. I feel like we created this toolkit and it's great to put it in the hands of entrepreneurs to see what they do with it. Now you're on mute. <laughs> that was a fantastic dialogue. There's two types of Lego people in this world. There's those who build their, their pieces and they glue them together and that's how it stays on a shelf. And there's mine who have 40 pounds of un just Legos in a bucket and it, you just look at it. And what it, it almost always ends up being a spaceship at the end of the day for me, but uh, that's a great analogy. Uh, I will tell you this. I think the platform you have is, is uh, innovation as a service. And so if you're out there building innovation, if you think of a gig economy, you think of how the world's going to change and how we uh, even do core activities for a business, this type of technology can facilitate that and accelerate it uh, to, to try new things and, and build innovation on top of it for organizations to rethink how they do business, how they make decisions and piece of that. And that, that alone sounds like a much less uh, capital intensive way to do innovation to start. And then it would be just to hire a bunch of people and get a lab and try to figure it out and, you know, so yeah, you know, and, and the thing we, we were we were a startup once. We're sort of a scale up now, but we've all been there, right? So we 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 provide a fixed fixed price fixed price solution for 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 startups that can just get a get get rainbowed for a, a, a very reasonable fixed price that's much less than the enterprise pricing, and they can just go go for a, you know a few years, whatever it is, to fill their boots um, and go build their business. And I think that's that's been a privilege to be able to do that. Yeah, I appreciate the time. I, I I'm conscious of it, and, and I really do appreciate the time you have given. Uh, thanks, James. I, I, I will, we'll find a way to bring up a couple of your other startups that are on there and bring and have them talk about what they're doing in the platform. I think that'd be a fun conversation. I, I know personally, I like to learn and for the 106 people that are going to watch this over the next six years. Um, I really appreciate your time. <laughs> thanks. Go, hey, go get some sun. It looks like it's, uh, not raining. So yeah, it's not raining. this is really good. All right. Thanks, Thank you man. so much. Take care. Have a good day. Bye-bye.